Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home or wherever you are viewing or tuning in today. Hey, I do want to encourage you as we do each and every week to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can also download the kids activity sheet so that they have something to follow along as you're listening to this as well. And it's always a good idea to grab your Bible, get a fresh cup of coffee or something to drink, and let's uh, dig into God's word today. In fact, my title today is Obstacles with a Question Mark. And we wanna look at, uh, in particular, what we've been talking about the last few weeks in Mark chapter 11, and a teaching now that Jesus is going to Due to his with his disciples, he's already cursed a fig tree. He's already cleared out the temple on what we would call Passion Week. And now the disciples have already seen the fig tree dried up from the roots, but it's almost as Jesus shifts gears and begins to teach them all those four words that we've been mentioning every week, have faith in God. In fact, I put down in my notes uh, to help me when I read these verses here that um, Jesus is going to talk about mountains, which are going to be obstacles. He's going to talk to them about believing when they pray, and he's also going to talk to them about forgiveness. So I want to get right into Mark 11, uh, and I'm going to pick up at verse 22 through 20. Six. Now remember, I just mentioned the fig tree, the temple, the fig tree uh, dried up from the roots. And Jesus then shifts and says these words. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and to be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I wanted to read those. Uh, it's so important for us as we look at this today, that Jesus is going to talk about mountains, obstacles, right? Obstacles that are in the way when you pray. He's going to talk to them about believing or having faith, believing when they pray. And then he's going to talk to them. In fact, he shifts that and talks to them about forgiveness, that they would be people that would forgive, that God, that God forgives. You know, and when we read that verse, in fact, he says that, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and that you'll have them. You know, and I made this comment. In fact, it's in your notes. Everything that God tells you to accomplish through him should seem in this natural state as impossible. Everything that God tells you to accomplish should seem impossible. 
that's where we read back into, in fact, I encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11, read about the what we call the hall of faith, the people that believed God, everything God told them about, asked them about, to believe about, and to do, looked, seemed, and was completely impossible. That's where he starts. But he's looking for those that have faith in him, that have faith in him. You know, uh, when I first started out in ministry, uh, one of the first teaching assignments that I had was with junior hires. And I remember we were talking, I was trying to teach them about having faith. And the only example, the fact there was a couple examples that I remembered, I remember using the example of muscles, that all of us have muscles. All of us have the exact same type of muscles. But for different people that work out those muscles, those muscles increase and get larger. But in order for those muscles to increase and get larger, they have to be worked out. You have to have the right nutrition. You have to have the right rest, stretching, and the whole bit. But they will grow. In fact, you can even stop working out for a long period of time and then restart. And those muscles have what we call muscle memory. They remember. Well, I didn't feel like the kids actually got that concept. And so uh, I was looking around. In fact, they all, all were sitting in chairs. And I used this one natural example. I said, you all came in tonight and all of you plopped down in your chair. None of you worried that your chair would collapse. You kind of had a natural faith in the chair you sat in. Now, at that time, I jumped up on top of a chair and I begin to talk a little bit about that natural part of faith. Things that, you know, we go to the light switch and we flick the light switch on and we just kind of believe it's going to turn on. Well, at that point, the chair I was standing on completely collapsed and I fell completely down on the ground. Of course, uh, with junior hires, all of them laughed and I think the service was done for that night. But we use that example of the how the muscle begins to, to grow and, you know, we have to stretch it, nutrition, and it begins to grow. We always have this, what we call, there's a natural things that we believe in. We believe when we got up today, the sun would be up. None of us woke up wondering if the sun would ever rise. It's just kind of one of those natural things that we all, uh, we all believe. Well, I want to read this one um, verse uh, again to us. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, notice what this verse says. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. We read early on in the book of Genesis where God started out and said, let there be light, and there was light. There wasn't already a light somewhere that he took and brought it in no, he created light out of his words. So that's why the verse says, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, 
We go on and we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do I, how do I please God? I have faith in him. Notice, and when I come to God, I have to believe that he is. Interesting, again, I encourage you read uh, the book of Hebrews, and you'll get those examples of faith in our Bible characters in the Old Testament, how they had faith in God. We have to not only believe that he is, we have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that seek him, of those that follow him. You know, and I always remember this one verse. This is out of uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. This is out of the English Standard Version, and it says this. For whatever was written in former days, this is talking about the Old Testament. It's giving us a picture of the Old Testament. Was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Notice, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, everybody say that word, right? Endurance. Many of you, when you say that, oh, endurance. No, it's written for our endurance and encouragement, endurance and encouragement in the scriptures that we might have hope. Often, in fact, we see this a lot in Jesus's ministry. Jesus would say things to them. Well, you know what the scripture says. And Jesus would quote out of the Old, Old Testament. Jesus would ask people if they had read from a certain passage in the Old Testament. It sure makes me think of this one verse in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. All of these things that were written in the past days, former days, were for our endurance and encouragement in the scriptures. Now, one of the verses that we read in Hebrews eleven thirteen that is so important, it says this. In fact, it's talking about those that stood in faith in their days to accomplish what God had called them to do or the part that they had to play in God's master plan, his big picture. And it says this, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off. But listen to the last part of this verse. But they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Let me read that again. All these died in faith, having received the promises. But having seen them from afar off, they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. It's interesting when we look back at Old Testament people, and I thought of this quote, it's God's job to find you, but it's your job to follow him when he does. 
all throughout the Bible, God searched out men and women to have faith in him. He would deposit a promise within them. So it was his job to find you, his job to call you, but it's your job to follow him uh, when he does those things. So it's amazing as Jesus begins to shift and begins to teach the disciples to have faith in God. He begins to teach them about, uh, he mentions the mountains or the obstacles because there's always obstacles in the way from receiving God's promises. We also read about, in fact, he's called the father of faith. Uh, we could actually call Sarah the mother of faith, right? Abraham and Sarah, Ab Abram and Sarai before their names were changed. In fact, it's interesting that, and I like this verse out of Romans chapter 4, verse 17, out of the message when it was talking about Abraham. It says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on, the, but on what God said he would do. What if we took this verse and each and every one of us made this verse personal in our lives, in the promises that God has spoken in our personal life, the life of our family, maybe even uh, towards your work, your career, towards a ministry? Notice what it says out of the message. When everything was hopeless, when everything looked hopeless, when there were major obstacles, how about we say this like Jesus says, when there was mountains that were in the way, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw that he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. In fact, we read this out of that verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. I want you to think about that with me for just a minute. It's so important if we just took a minute, we thought about Abraham and Sarah. In fact, and I, and I wrote this down, it's in your notes in Genesis chapter uh, 12. And I call it this, it's the go. God finds them. God calls them to go to a land that they not they don't know of. It's called the go. In Genesis chapter 15, it's kind of the how it's going to happen. They're going to have descendants so numerous. In fact, God gives them examples of the sand of the seashore, of the stars, and that uh, they are going to have a child that out of them will come this promised people. And it's not until Genesis 21 that the promise is fulfilled and this child, Isaac, is born. So that's what I like to call Genesis 12, the go, Genesis 15, the how, and Genesis 21, the promise fulfilled. But let me give you a couple pictures. Genesis 12, Abraham, the Bible says, is 75 years old. By the time that Isaac is born, Abraham is 100 years old. So he spent 25 years, you can read it from Genesis 12 to Genesis 21, 25 years of following the Lord, 
being assured of his promises, making major mistakes, making major missteps, making uh, forgetting what God originally said, but growing in faith. Because here's what's so important in our lives is that we are growing in faith, growing in the word of God. Uh, uh, knowing that I'm I'm different than I was yesterday because today I'm growing in faith. Now think of this for a minute. God in Genesis 12 didn't choose a couple in their 20s. That would have been more natural. Choose a couple in your 20s that all of the descendants of the earth are going to go through. No, God did it another way. I'm going to choose a couple in their mid-70s that are barren and cannot have kids. And when you think of that, that, that's God's perspective. We would have done this. Let's choose the 20-year-olds. The 20-year-olds, you know, they're going to have so many kids by the time they're 70. No, God does it the other way. I'm going to choose the 75-year-old that cannot have kids. They're barren because I'm going to fulfill my promise through them. That's why I love that verse that we read. In fact, let me get back to it in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 13, where it says this. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar. They were assured of them. They embraced them. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Here, here's the picture of Abraham and Sarah. They didn't get to see all that God promised because God doesn't end with that one promise. They didn't see all of the descendants of sand. They didn't see all of the descendants like God said the stars. But you know what? By faith, they did. They saw it. And I love those three words. They were assured of his promises they embraced his promises, and they confessed his promise. You'll read in the next chapter, Genesis 22, when God wakes Abraham up and asks him to go sacrifice his own son, that there's no hesitation in Abraham. In fact, there's a couple places where we read a great statement of faith where he tells those that went to help him, stay here, the young boy, and I will be back. And then we also read in Hebrews, we read in Romans, that Abraham was convinced that if he had to go through what God said and take the life of Isaac, that God was going to raise him up from the dead. Abraham, by this time, had been walking with God. He was assured, he embraced the promises, and he confessed those promises. See, Jesus said, have faith in God. God has sought you out. God has given you a promise. It is going to look impossible to a 75-year-old that they're going to have a child. They laugh, right? It's a joke. Why doesn't God start with the 20-year-olds? He started with what looked impossible, but Abraham believed God. And I love that verse we looked at, Romans chapter 4, verse 21, where it says, And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Fully convinced that if God said that they were going to have a child, in the, God was going to do it. 
fully convinced that through them all of these descendants would come, God would promise it. Fully convinced all the way through. And that's where when we started with that one verse, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. The testimony was they they believed, they were assured, they embraced, and they trusted the Lord. So I want to ask you a couple questions today. What has God promised over your life? What has God promised over your family? It doesn't matter if there's 7 billion or if we're even up to 8 billion people on planet Earth. God has a specific plan for every person. He has promises to fulfill. Yet many times what we do is when we go through certain situations, like when you read about Abraham and Sarah, we laugh, we cast it off. We try to think on our own understanding. We try to chart our own path. We make our own plans. In fact, we make our own plans and then we want God to bless them. And yet God has a way. In fact, his way sounds impossible, looks impossible. But at the end of the day, that's where we have faith in God that we know he is at work in these days. You know, I could share testimony of testimony of people uh, over my life that I've witnessed, over our lives that we've seen God do impossible things. But here is a great example. Am I assured of his promise? Have I embraced his promise? And am I confessing his promises over my life? Abraham was assured, embraced, and confessed what God would do. He had faith in God. That's our example. In fact, that's why we read Jesus used that one example that uh, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, for our encouragement. We get the opportunity and the optics to look back on people's lives, to look at mistakes, to look at missteps, to look at misdirection, to look at stubbornness, to look at unfaithfulness, to look at mountains in the way, but we get to look at when they've humbled themselves before the Lord to follow him, what God would do in every time an impossible situation. God made sure that it came to pass. And Jesus said those four words that I want to impart into your heart, your mind, and your spirit, have faith in God. Let me pray for you. In fact, let me pray two things. Let me pray that we get back on track in what God said and promised in our lives. Let's get back in on track personally. Let's get back on track. Maybe it's your family. Let's get back on track with your work, your job, your career, what he's asked you to step out and do. In fact, remember this, everything is a step of faith. But in that stepping of faith, it's not just into the unknown. It's into what he promised and what he promises he will fulfill. So, Father, I pray for every single one of us 
Number one, I know this. You sought us out and you found us. You've given us great and precious promises in our life. Many times what we've done, we've put them on the back shelf. We've placed them in a folder. We've forgotten about it. We got discouraged. We got off track. We started going a different direction. We're distracted. But Lord, I pray today that we come back to you and to that promise. That we remember in our hearts what you said. That we come back and that we have faith in you. That we are assured of your promise. That we embrace your promise. And part of our daily confession is confessing that promise over us. In fact, it's renewing our mind and our thoughts back to you. Because we know you don't call things, call us out to do simple things. You call us out to do impossible things, and that's where you receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In fact, and as I do, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never confessed him as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. It's the most important prayer that you'll ever say. In fact, it has everything to do with what we just talked about. It has faith in believing in Jesus. It has faith in knowing that your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life, that you have eternal life. It has faith that as you begin to walk these days out, you're not alone because Jesus resides in you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Believe it in your heart. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In fact, if you said that for the very first time, I would encourage you, so encourage you, reach out to us, email us, info at hillschurcharcadia.org. Go to our website to connect. Use the social media uh, platforms that you're on possibly right now to reach out. It's the most important prayer. In fact, you've just started your faith journey. So I encourage you to dig in uh, to God's word. In fact, I'll I'll mention a couple things how you can follow along in just a minute. But at this time, we'll receive our tithes and offerings today. And I want to read, uh, as I do each week, one verse for us. And it's out of the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. Listen to these words. God is not a man. We know that, right? That he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? God is not a man. We know that. He's not a man that he should lie. Everybody's told, and we like to call it sometimes, people like call, oh, it was a white lie, right? It was like a, a just a, it was a little tiny, but it was, it was an important lie because we didn't want to hurt somebody. God does not lie. It's not in him to lie. He only thinks truth. God is not a man that he should lie. So what he says, he will do. So as we give today, would you allow this prayer to be a prayer of your confession 
in your giving. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I stand on the reliability of God's word. God's word is perfect, trustworthy, and supernatural. It is God's voice into my life. I believe that God's promises in the scripture are for me, and by faith, I claim them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, one of the ways that you can do it that's fast, safe, and secure, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and in the top right section, you can click on the Give button. It'll give you instructions on what to do. If you'd like to give by mail, you can do so. The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And as I mentioned before, if you've been following God, if you've made Jesus the Lord for the very first time, the very important next steps is to start reading his word. Even as believers, we need to be people that are in his word. So I encourage you, follow along as we're reading in the Bible on our daily chronological Bible reading plan. You can go to our website. You can find it a couple of ways on the website. You can download it uh, on your phone, your tablet, your computer. You can print out a PDF to check off as you go each and every day. It's amazing that as you read the Bible, that God begins to speak, and it's so clear to us. Secondly, I want to encourage you, if you've been married, I don't care if it's one day or a hundred years. Maybe you're just, you're just getting engaged or you're in the process of getting engaged. I encourage you to jump in and join. We're going to restart the Love and Respect Marriage video series. We've taken now, uh, in fact, as of this next week, four different groups through this series that's been not only personally life-changing, but has been an inspiration to, to married couples. So if you're interested, it's 10 videos. You watch them uh, on your own. We'll give you a plan. And then we do a Zoom Connect uh, for a half hour every week for four weeks. It's been a powerful time to reconnect and to follow along as we build into different marriages. So if you're interested, email us, info at hillschurcharcadia.org. It's free of cost. We just want to begin to be a blessing into your marriage, especially if you're planning on getting married and you're in that season as well. Well, the Lord bless you as we do each week. We read the psalm that is the reason we are the Hills Church. And David penned and sang and wrote this. And he was looking up to a hill and to a mountain. It wasn't just any ordinary one. He knew where the presence of God was. And he encouraged himself with this verse as he said, I look up to the hills. But where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord bless you. Have a great week. Reach out to us for prayer requests, praise reports. Thank you for being in tune. In fact, share this with somebody. If you, if you felt that it was encouragement to you, share it with somebody that would be encouragement to them as well. If you're in the Arcadia area on Sundays, we are having in-person at 10 a.m., but we're always online at 10 a.m. as well. The Lord bless you. Have a great week.